Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building, which is actually hashtag Divine Color Wall. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. Hey, uh, how y'all doing? It's Pastor Michael Petit. Want to thank y'all. I'm sorry we're running just a few minutes late. had a great opportunity and just a great conversation uh, with the, uh, the owner of our building and just want to keep him in prayer. And we love the fact that we get to be here and, and that we can actually uh, spend time in God's word here. And we're praying for divine. Uh, we're really blessed to be here. Um, I hope that you uh, can make it out uh, and come see us. That would really be the uh, the good thing, we got Palm Sunday service coming up this Sunday, so uh, you know, it's a great time to invite somebody to church is during Easter, and so hopefully uh, you can make it, and, and we start service at 10 o'clock here at the Market Media Building, and uh, it is casual uh, dress and, and just a casual atmosphere as we want to simply just teach the Word of God and make sure that you can understand it and apply it in your life. Uh, that's the key to the whole Bible is making sure that we can be obedient to God's word. And so uh, tonight we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. And I entitled this, Send Me, Send Me. Uh, great, great two words there. Because at the end of the day, that's something that we all need to be asking the Lord. What is it that you're calling me to do? To send me out and, and to do it. Uh, maybe to speak to somebody in the family to invite them to Easter service or to, to go check on them and pray with them. It's a very important thing that we uh, are called to do, to, to be always finding joy by, by, by Jesus, others, and you. And so let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to pray, and we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your, uh, just for us being able to be here. I pray for divine, Lord. I pray for the mayor and and uh, the city council and and our chamber of commerce and and we just lift them up, Lord. We pray uh, for unity, for peace. We pray for uh, for for servants that want to uh, live out God's word and 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 we have a city that's in need of grace and mercy and love and and need you, Lord. And so we pray. Uh, that you would move uh, through the Holy Spirit to urge and, and uh, put that on people's heart to turn to church, uh, to come to church and to uh, turn to you, Lord. Uh, we pray for those that don't know you, that they would come to know you. And, and we thank you so much, Lord. I, I lift up each church here uh, in town and lift up their pastors and uh, just pray, Father God, for uh, just a mighty work to happen as we see the city of San Antonio growing and and people pushing out of the city into divine. We pray, uh, Father God, just for uh, to see people 
uh, come to know you and come to live for you, that they would be the sun and the salt and the light uh, in divine. And so we thank you, Father God, as we read your word, we read about the importance of prayer, Father God. Let us, let us have that as a priority in our life. And we thank you and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And last week we left off with Nehemiah praying. Now, Nehemiah uh, had his first prayer uh, in the book as he was praying. Now, he's been praying for months about coming to the, the, the king and, and, uh, and, and having God place it on the king's heart for him to be able to go and build the wall in Jerusalem. Uh, there's also something very important as we're going to talk about the month of Nisan. And we'll talk about that uh, you know, in, in detail tonight as well. And so one of the things I love about Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a planner. Uh, that's how I am. We, we plan to come here. You know, we plan to uh, and pray, prayfully look at coming here. But what I love is he, he planned out the travel, he planned out the supplies, and he plans out the rebuild of the wall, which only takes 52 days. And so the planner is going to be called in these verses. Now, each of us have a, a, a plan that God has for our life. When we give our life to Jesus Christ in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You are his workmanship. So we're walking in them, keeping our dependence on Christ. And, and as we walk in the work, works of God's plans, we glorify God and God uses us. And, and so what we come to now is Nehemiah has been praying for about four months. Four months he's been in prayer for this thing to happen. Four months he's been in prayer that God would put on the heart of the king, Xerxes, that, uh, that he would be able to, to go and build the wall. And so what I love about this is when you're called, and this is something for you to think about, God gifted and sent Nehemiah. What was Nehemiah? He was a cupbearer. He was the chief of staff. He was a wine taster and that, the, to make sure that the king didn't get poisoned, right? What is, what is he being called to do? Build a wall. Is that in his, you know, how do you go from being a wine taster to a wall builder? That's in God's kingdom. That's what God does in somebody's life. God gives the person the ability, right, to do the work, and, and it's God that's glorified. God uses the foolish things of the world, and I'm, I'm one of those foolish things. I've never taught in my life. And you're probably going, yeah, Mike, we, we know that. But it's God that uses your inability to glorify His ability by using you. Let me say that again. God uses your inability to glorify His ability by using you. God has gifted each one of us with, with, with at least one gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, Serving others except the gift of tongues. So when, we, when you exercise the gift... At church, that's where it's, you know, normally exercised at church. And so we, uh, we can't do that if we're, we're sitting at home, watching from home, right? 
we can't neglect the fellowship. And, 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 and you know, that was exhorted in the, in the church for the Hebrews when, they, when he told them, you know, you can't neglect the fellowship of, of the brethren. And, and we have to spend time together as a fellowship. It allows those gifts to be used. We see in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Arxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. Now this has been weighing on Nehemiah. Nehemiah's heart broke when his brother tells him what's happened to the city, the temple. And, and so he's been praying over this and lamenting over this for months. But now it's, it's apparent. And you, sometimes you can see that when somebody's really going through something, it's apparent. They can't hide it. And, and, and for him, this is a life-threatening issue. To be sad in front of the king could have cost him his life. It could have cost him his life. The, uh, or, or at minimum, tortured him. Because that's what the Persian king was known for. And so he's sad in front of the king. And so what does the king say to him? And in chapter 2, verse 2, it says in Nehemiah, it says, And the king said to him, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? Right? He said, You're not sick, so why are you sad? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. And then I was very much afraid. So at this moment, he knows that the king can... There's got to be somebody in the wing, right? We have a president, we have a vice president. There's always somebody in the wing, right? But he trusted Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of his trustful servants. And you are always supposed to be cheerful while you are performing your duties as the king, uh, as his cupbearer. They didn't want you to be showing up with feelings and tears and doing all of that in front of the king. And he also knows in Ezra chapter 4, verses 7 to 24, King Artaxerxes had already stopped the, re, the, the reconstruction of Jerusalem once before because of a bad report. So it's very well known. So he, he knows that Ezra, they stopped it. And he's thinking to himself, man, I'm, I, I could end up dead. But he says, here's Nehemiah's response. He said to the king, let the king live forever. Right? So first off, what does he do? He compliments the king. Right? Because he's like, my alliance is, is with you, king. Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city of the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? I love what he does is he's, he's respectful to the man in his position. This is something that's so important no matter where we're at in the secular world or even in the church is that we need to be respectful of the position that that person holds. You may not agree with the president, but you have to be respectful. But you can be brutally honest sometimes. You've got to say, say things, but it needs to be said with love. And, and the truth needs to be given with love. One thing I love here is it's not a sales pitch. Right? He tells them, hey, this is the, the, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its, its gates have been destroyed by fire. 
He's telling them why he's sad. It's, it's because my, the, the city, the gates are destroyed by fire. My father's graves. And, and, you know, I have honestly, I've seen people come into the church and try to grow their business. And they use a sales pitch. I had somebody that introduced himself. I, I invited him to church at HEB and he said he was, I had a Georgia shirt on because I'm a Georgia, big Georgia Bulldog fan. And uh, that's why I was born in Atlanta. And so I, I always wear Georgia gear. And the guy was like, oh, you're from Georgia? What part of Georgia? And we just started talking. And I invited him to church. And I found out that Sunday that he just went around and passed out his business cards for his carpeting business and never came back to the church. He was there to sell stuff. And that happens sometimes in the church, unfortunately. Um, he never returned back to church either. And so, but we need to also remember when we're inviting somebody to the church, we're not trying to sell them on coming to church. We invite them. You don't have to sell them, oh, they got the best worship and they got this and they got, or you lie to them or, and tell them, hey man, why don't you come by the house? We're just going to have some pie or some cake or something, Right? And then next thing you know, they walk into a Bible study. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody told them that they were going into a Bible study. And, and they got sold on something and it was like, I was just here for the cake. I didn't know about all that. Be honest with them. You know, be honest. Hey, we're going to have a Bible study. Would you like to come? If they say no, then you invite them again the next week. And you keep praying for them. But you need to be brutally honest about your, what you're going to say the way Nehemiah does. Nehemiah is very, very to the point. And that's what you're going to find out about Nehemiah. He doesn't mince words. He, he gets right to the point. We need more people like that in the church today. In verse 4 it says, Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? Right? So he's given, he's told them why he's got the sad face. And the king asked a question back. What are you requesting? He said, and I love this. So I prayed to God, to the God of heaven. This is the second prayer out of 12 that you're going to see in the book of Nehemiah. Now, I love this because he prays under his breath. We, we live in here sometimes. And, and it's okay. But we need to be living in here. And it's okay for us to say, you know what, I need to pray in this moment, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to give me the words to say because I don't know what to say. And you, and you just pray. You just, you know, in, in, under your breath, you're asking the Lord, you know, I need your Spirit to lead me. And four months of prayer is fixing to be answered. We need to remember that we're not, when we come to God, God's never panicking. But we do, Right? We do. We pray today and expect a change to happen or occur at once. Like, like we're rubbing a genie in a bottle. Sometimes when we pray, something happens. And sometimes when we pray, it takes months the way it did with, with Nehemiah. And we need to think about our own personal experience. We might, we might agree with that four months. It's actually a short time frame for God to do the work. Because God knows what He's doing. He knows the right time and when to do it. And sometimes He's trying to teach you patience. 
Or other times, He's dealing with your stubbornness. Because you want it immediately. Right? And we just don't know how to wait. We want an immediate answer. And, and, and Nehemiah, man, he was just continuing to pray. Trusting God. So he spent the four months in prayer. And when the king asked him, he wants to make sure he says this the way that God wants him to say this. He goes to the Lord, the God of heaven. And I love this because one thing that we need to understand, this is not how God operates all the time. And let me explain myself. Nehemiah prayed and Nehemiah planned. You're going to see when he answers the king, he has a plan of exactly what he's going to do, including how he was going to talk to the king. He had a plan. But God doesn't operate that way sometimes. Sometimes God needs you to take that step of faith and then he'll, he'll reveal more to you as you go. For us, it was here in divine. We had to take that step of faith. We didn't know what was going to happen. We still don't know what's going to happen. But we had to be obedient to what God was leading us to do. Abraham was the, the same way when he was Abram. We see in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1-4, through 4, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and kindred your, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your, your name great, so that you, are, uh, you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who will bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in, in, all, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram, this is what I love about Abram, what does he do? He goes. This is obedience. So Abram went. As what? As the Lord told him. Right? Abram went as the Lord told him. And so we need to remember that. It's, it's a, a, an answer of, of Scripture. We see right before us that Abram was obedient to God. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. We need to remember at the end of the day, God uses you no matter what your age as well. No matter what your age. Don't give up on people just because they're old. They don't know the gospel. Keep preaching it. Keep sharing it. Faith is an action. So sometimes you have the plan that happens the way Nehemiah does where it's all planned out. And then sometimes you have to take that first step. It's an action. You have plan A, but you don't know God's plan B and C yet. You're just supposed to go do plan A. That's what God's called you to do. And so remember, at the end of the day, you see two different types of, uh, of Abram where he had to take that first step of faith and then God would reveal more as he went. And then you have Nehemiah who was a planner, right? In verse 5 it says, And, and I said to the king, if, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah. That's where the title comes from, send me. I love you see Abram, he says, you know what, I'm going to do what the Lord told me. And he left. And here you see Nehemiah saying, please send me. This is what he's been praying for for months, that, the, that, that it would be placed on the king's heart. Remember now, the king is not a believer. It'd be like the secular government. The king is, is you know, he, he, this is not his thing, but he's, God's going to put it on the king's heart. 
And he says, so he says, send me to Judah, uh, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Rebuild it. And so when we look at him being sent to Judah, it's, it reminds me, I love what he says twice. This is the second time he talks about his father's tomb. He's never been there. Right? But he's talking about his father's tomb. He's talking about these. This is, it's like he's in, he loves the nation of Israel. He loves that this is God's, where, where, where the temple, where they worship. This is, he understands that this needs to be done. It's been put on his heart. It's a calling that he has on his life. So he says, send me. He's prepared to speak to the king. Right? Don't hang on to it because a lot of times what we do is we won't, you know, we need to speak. You're being called to do something, then you're called to do it. Speak up and, and let, let, let that person know, hey, I, I, I want to serve in the church. I want to serve in the children's ministry. You know, that's something I want to do that's been on my heart, right? And, and, and it's like, or I want to help out with security, with the security ministry. It's like you're, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're allowing that calling and you're speaking up and you're, you're answering the call. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Send me. You know, for us, application very simply is we need, sometimes we need confirmation from the body of Christ. We, we go to the Lord in prayer. We seek godly wisdom. I know for myself, it was something uh, that I had many uh, prayer meetings and time that I had with my senior pastor about, about planting and talking about it. And, and, but everything that we were doing was with action to get to this moment. And so we, we need to understand like that's the importance like of the body of Christ as well. And we're, we're called to be sent. Now, now everybody is not called to be sent to be out on the mission field. Some are. Some of you are called to be sent to HEB or Walmart to share the gospel. You know? Or flying bys. That's my favorite burger. I love that burger with the, with the uh, egg on it. And all. You may be called to talk about God there. You know, and, and so we need to understand that, that um, a lot of times what we do is we get in our own way. God has a calling on your life and He's act, actually asking you to move and go and he's saying you need to be saying here I am send me right allow the spirit to that's what we talked about this past week with the growth acronym you go to the Lord in prayer you seek prayer you ask God you know what is the direction of my life and you read his word and 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 spend time in it either reading it or listening to it daily you're obedient and you apply it you witness to others, right? You go and you share the gospel as you've been commanded. And then you, you trust God in the, in the very small and important details of your life with your time, your talent, and your treasure. And then you have the Holy Spirit that you're supposed to allow to lead and direct you. And that's what, that's what we all need. And that, I really do believe that's what's hurting in the church today. 
We need to be sent out. There, there are people that need to hear the gospel and, and we need to be saying, send me. Send me. In verse 6 it says, And the king said to him, The queen sitting by his side. So the king has his queen sitting by his side. He, and, and this is the question they have. And it really goes to show the relationship that him and the king had. You know what they're worried about? How long will you be gone? And when will you return? Isn't that awesome? That's the impression that Nehemiah has made to this king. As, as a man of God, as a man of God, they're like, hey, how long are you going to be gone and, and are you coming back? I love that. And he says, so it pleased the king to send me when I had given him time. So he's going to be sent. And this is going to be very important. But he gave a reasonable t estimate of time and he also gave them materials that are needed. Remember, Nehemiah worked for the government. So this guy was willing to be poisoned to death for the king. That's what a cupbearer was. And, and sometimes we do need to plan. And we need to be led by the Spirit. And so planning needs time, you know. Sometimes we do need to plan. In verse 7 it says, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that I may, that they may let me pass through it until I come to Judah. So he knows that travel is going to be dangerous. He works for the king. He's, remember I told you that the, the cupbearer is like the chief of staff you know, for the president. So he knows the territories. He knows where it's dangerous. So he knows travel is going to be dangerous. So he's asking for protection. As, as he asked the king, you know, to, to, to send him, he's like, hey, I need protection. Our king has also given us authority. As, as King Xerxes gives authority to, uh, to Nehemiah, Jesus has given you authority as a believer. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus has given us and granted us the spiritual authority, right, to let people know that we are sinners and why He went to the cross and that He went to the cross to... To, to die for the sins of this world. Because the penalty of sin is death. He's given you that authority to confidently promise them that there'll be a new creation in Christ. That they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that they'll have eternal security with Jesus Christ in heaven forever. That's the authority that He sends us out on. And some of us don't want to talk about that. And, and I, don't, I don't get that. We, we have that authority that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and we need to be sharing that with people. We're not called to abuse our authority. We're supposed to have grace and mercy and compassion 
and all of that wrapped in God's love. And Nehemiah understood that, that he understood that this plan needed to be very well thought out and he understood the cost of it. But Jesus understands the cost as well. He's sending you out. He tells you in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the authority that we go out on. We die to ourselves and we follow him. We deny ourselves. And we see in, in verse 8 it says, And, and the letter to Asaph, the, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give, a, give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress and the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. Right? <laughs> Nehemiah even planned his house. That's how, how detailed this guy was. Right? And, and he says, And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. I love that. For the good hand of my God was upon me. So building, you know what I love is he's, he's looking at the material and, and he's asking for what? The king's forest. He's asking for the king's timber. Right? He's willing to give... Like he wants the best for the Lord's city. Right? He's using not common material. He's using the king's material, the good stuff. Right? And so we see that, that, that uh, what's so important for us is we, we spend time, and I've, I've had this happen before, you know, I, I think we need to understand that when we're, we're called, you know, God is wanting us to use the, the good stuff, so to say. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19-21, through 21, it says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows whose those are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And now in the great house there are not vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some honorable use, and some of dishonorable use. And therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable... He will be a vessel for the honorable, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for the good, uh, ready for every good work. And so, what's the difference of the gold and the silver between the, uh, you know, the the common, uh, the common vessels that were there, and that the gold and the silver can actually do what? Be put through the fire, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you were bought with the price, so glorify God in your body. Right? We're supposed to, I mean, and I love Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's like we're not supposed to give God our leftovers. Your time, your talent, your treasure, you're not supposed to give them your leftovers. I, I, I want to remember something. I remember somebody gave us a printer one time for the church, not this church. Gave us a printer. The printer didn't even work. I think we got a couple of printers that didn't work. It's like they were getting rid of their junk. And, and Nehemiah saying, look, I need the king's timber, Right? I want the king's timber. I want a strong wall. I want the best wood. 
for the Lord's wall. I remember buying a ping pong table. I was brand new to Christ and, and I just wanted to, to help however I could and I thought the youth could use a ping pong table. So I bought a ping pong table for the church. That ping pong table ended up becoming a hindrance for the church. <laughs> Seriously. It, it, what the church needed was the tide. They didn't need the ping pong table. They needed my time, my talent, my treasure. They didn't need me to go and buy the best ping pong table that Academy had. $400 I think I spent on that thing. And here's the fun part about it. Ping pong table set up. Youth are playing ping pong, but guess what? We had people starting to skip service to play ping pong. It became a hindrance. It was a hindrance. And, and what was sad is we have a youth retreat every year and we could have sponsored I don't know how many kids to go to that youth retreat. The church knows what needs to be done with the tide, not, not us sometimes. You know, we think that this is going to be best. Oh, I'm going to give them this printer. They can fix it. They'll get it working. No, give God the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? The, the gold, the silver, the stuff that can be burned up in the fire and refined. And, and so for us, I think that's one of the things I think. In word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Nehemiah is doing here. Nehemiah is saying, I want the best timber. Right? The best timber for this, for this wall. Because he says, give me from the king's forest... So you know that had to be good timber, right? Had to be good timber. And so for us, we need to remember, God wants worshipers before He wants workers. And indeed, the only acceptable workers are those who have learned the lost art of worship. You know, And, and so we need to, to worship God in the things that we do in word and deed. And so that means in our time, in our talent, in our treasure... Like, man, I know my heart was in the right place to give him that ping pong table, but, it, man, I just, at the end of the day, they, would have, they could have used that to, to send those kids to the youth retreat. That would have been a better gift than that ping pong table. And I was young in the Lord. I didn't know any better. But, you know, at the end of the day, we need to, we need to not give God our leftovers. You know, we, we need to, our, with our time and our talent and our treasure, we need to... We need to make sure that we give God the best that we have. Because you know why? It's all His anyway. It's all His anyway. He's provided everything that you have. It, we're going to learn that this week because the, when, when Palm Sunday happens, the Lord tells them, just go pick the cold up. And what does He tell them? The Lord has need for it. Why? It's the Lord's anyway. Right? The Lord has need for it. And so for us, we need to remember at the end of the day, just like Nehemiah, we, man, we need to be looking to do in word and deed what's best for God. You know, what we need to do what is, is, is the right thing is what I'm saying. And, 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 and word and deed and, and, and our time and our talent and our treasure. Right? And so when that wall gets built, it's going to be built with some really good wood. And it's going to withstand, you know, for a time, for a long time, and allow the city to be restored and allow the temple uh, worship to continue without safety concerns of people coming in and robbing and stealing and, 
uh, it's going to bring people back into the city. And he says there, after he says the house that I shall occupy, and he says, and the king granted me what I asked for, the good hand of God was upon me. I want to to make sure you get this. In the very beginning of this verse, we saw in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. These are very important dates. Okay? And you have to understand, this, this is the date. This date goes back to Daniel 9, 24 and 25. Right? And, and as, as we see the date that the king gave the commandment to Nehemiah to restore, to rebuild Jerusalem is a very important date. In Daniel 9, chapter 24 and 25, it says, Seventy weeks are decreed about your people in your holy city to finish the transgression, put, uh, to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and the prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Now therefore, and understand that from, uh, from the going out of the word restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, talking about Jesus, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, and then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moats, but in time, or been, but in a troubled time. And so at this point we see uh, the anointed one coming, Jesus Christ, and the 70 uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks, since the weeks are periods of seven years, the total is 69. So seven plus the 62 times the seven years is 483 years. The day of the decree is on March 445 B.C. So it's on the 14th of March, 445 B.C. The commandment was given to Nehemiah to restore and build, rebuild Jerusalem. This is actually one of the most important dates in history because it sets up something that's going to happen this Sunday. Right? It sets up the, the Palm Sunday. The triumphal entry. It's one of the most important dates of history and we see the coming Messiah in Jerusalem. And, and, and in that triumphal entry, the 483 years to the day Jesus enters on April 6, 32 A.D. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 6-11, through 11, it says the disciples went and, and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them and most of the crowd spread out their cloaks on the, uh, the road and the other cut branches uh, from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds they, that went out before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And, and the crowd said, the, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now we're going to go really into this, this Sunday. I can tell you I did not plan this. This is all the Lord. I did not think when I, when I did Nehemiah that we would do this verse and then turn around and have Palm Sunday. I'm not that bright. I'm not that bright. I love it because that 483 years 
that gives the commandment of restoration of Jerusalem as they rebuilt the city and the walls of the city. And so 483 years later, Babylonians' years is, is 362 days, and Jesus came the exact day, April 6, 32 A.D., as the prophecy said. So everything that was happening in Nehemiah, God was working in the background through Nehemiah, through King Artaxerxes, and setting everything up for who? His son, Jesus the Messiah. It's not a coincidence. I have a hard time where people don't believe Scripture. It's been fulfilled time and time again. It's in the prophecies have been fulfilled time and time again. There's over 108 distinct messianic prophecies made in the Bible that Jesus fulfilled. 108. Now I want you to think about this just for a second. I've used this analogy before, and you probably have heard it, but it's good for you to hear it again. It's uh, a mathematician by the name of Peter Stoner actually worked out the math of the probability of only eight. Now, remember now, there's 108 distinct messianic prophecies. But he said this is if, if only eight of them were done, right? Stoner performed the mathematical calculations and he figured out that the possibility was one in the tenth to the seventeenth power. So that number is one followed by 17 zeros. That's the, the probability of this prophecy being answered. Now, that's hard for me to grasp because I was never good in math, and my mom can tell you that. As I failed algebra <laughs> for one semester, I struggled big time. But what I love about this is Dr. Stoner said, let me put it this way to you. I'm going to fill the state of Texas up to your knee with, with silver dollars or coins. We're going to mark one with red on both sides. We're going to drop it somewhere across the state. You're not going to know. And then we'll have the bulldozers go in and just stir it up. And then we're going to blindfold you and bring you in to let you pick one down, to go down and pick one up. And you can do that whether you're in Texas is a big state. It'll take you all day to get through the state of Texas. You can go all the way to Beaumont. El Paso, you can go down to, to uh, Laredo, or you can go all the way up to San Angelo, or you can go all the way to, uh, to Dallas or Houston, San Antonio or Divine, and, and you tell us when to stop, we'll let you reach down, and if you pick up that one red coin, that's the probability of eight of those prophecies being fulfilled. You cannot tell me that the Bible's not real. You can't tell me that. A lot of times what it is is that we're not willing to deal with our sin. We're not willing to say, you know what, there is a God. And He wants to be Lord of my life, but I don't want to do that. And that's where the problem is. Because the Bible will prove itself. It's inerrant. It's without error. There has been prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that has been fulfilled. And, and let me tell you something. Even in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, it says... And it talks about Jesus fulfilling a hundred years, a hundred year old prophecy. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off 
and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the, and the sanctuary. And its end shall come with a flood. And the, and the end there shall be a war. Desolations are decreed. The anointed one cut off referring to the crucifixion. Did, did the crucifixion happen? Yeah. There's proof of it. Not just from the Bible. Right? In Daniel's chapter, uh, you know, 69th of the 70 weeks, it continues today. Daniel's referring to actually the coming ruler, the Antichrist. Is there an Antichrist here now, today? today? Yeah. The devil is not all-knowing, all-powerful. The devil has to have an Antichrist for every age. There's one. Let me tell you, you can look at the, uh, the, the to know that there's a coming uh, of one world system. You could see what happened with, uh, with uh, Amazon this week as they had the new Palm where you just, you can pay everything, you can enter into different facilities, you can, you know, enter into your workplace all by the palm of your hand. We're moving to a one world system, to a cashless system to set up the Antichrist. For the mark of the beast. All these things that we see that are happening are, is preparing us for that. It's birthing pains. And we know that the tribulation, that, that the church is going to be taken up and, and the pre, when we look at pre-tribulation, we know that we're going to be caught up and taken up. And Genesis, and what's sad is, is the Jews didn't recognize that Jesus, all these these were in the Bible and they didn't know. They didn't know. They had God's prophetic calendar and they didn't know. Simon had Jesus sitting in front of him and he was more focused on the, the young lady that was wiping her, wiping her, her tears with her, with her hair. And he had the Messiah right in front of him. And I'm afraid that's how some people are today. They don't, they don't recognize that this was always planned. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this was always a plan outside of time. There was no plan B or C. This was always a plan that Jesus was going to come. And you go, well, what does a wall have to do with Jesus? It sets the stage for Christ coming to the exact date of Palm Sunday. It makes no sense to me that you can't believe this. Because the proof is right there. It's, you're having trouble here with your heart. You've got to let go of the world and trust who Christ is, that He wants to be Lord of your life. It says here in, in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Let me tell you, it's going to be tragic because let me tell you, Jesus is going to return. There is a second coming of Christ. And he's not coming as the lamb. He's coming as a conquering king. You have to make your choice whether you're going to follow him here. That's what the parable of the, of the ten virgins is about in the book of Matthew. And you go, well, Mike, when's he coming? I don't know. But I know he is because the signs are lining up. 
We see the Ezekiel War. Everything's being... We see it moving towards that direction. Prophecies being fulfilled. Who knows? Only the Father. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. So if anybody ever tells you, I know the exact date of Jesus' is coming, they don't. Matthew 24, 36 says, But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, not even Jesus, but, only the, but, but the Father only. Let me tell you, there's a tribulation coming. If you're part of the church, you're going to be caught up, you're going to be raptured. That's what the pre-trib, that's what we believe here at Calvary Chapel in pre-tribulation. The church is going to be taken up. We don't believe that God will leave the church behind to be beat up. His bride. Right? We're going to be raptured up and the church is going to be taken, taken home to heaven. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16-18, through 18, it says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with the, with the cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel. Does that sound like a lamb? Because it doesn't to me. And with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We're supposed to find encouragement. When I see that thing happening with Amazon, I don't get upset. I'm just going, you know what? We're moving to a one world system. This, my wife was telling me on the way here, nothing surprises me anymore because we're, we're, we're seeing that Christ's second coming is so close. The end of times is here. The clock is ticking. And if God called for your life tonight, would you be ready? If He shows up tonight, have you made that choice to follow Jesus Christ? We need to answer the call. Ezra did. Nehemiah did. And you go, well, Nehemiah was a man of God. Nehemiah never lived in Jerusalem. Never saw the temple. He wasn't even born there. We have to make a choice whether we follow Jesus Christ or not. And, And that choice will be made for you if you don't make it. If you leave this earth without choosing to follow Jesus, the choice is made. You'll have eternity. And this is something pastors don't talk about, but I try to talk about it as much as possible. If you choose not to follow Christ here and ask for forgiveness of your sins here, you will be judged and you'll spend eternity in hell. You have to choose to follow Jesus Christ. And I know we have people watching online. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. You can't can't earn your way to heaven. Right? Your good is not going to outweigh your bad. No. You can only go through the Father. To receive Jesus Christ, you have to do four things. One, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. You have to admit that you're a sinner. Two, you have to ask for forgiveness and be willing to turn away from your sins. Three, you have to believe that Christ died on the cross. He died for your sins and mine. And four, you have to receive Christ in your heart and allow Him to be Lord of your life. 
In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what is the penalty of sin? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us. And you're going, Mike, where are you getting all this? It's in the Bible. I didn't know this either. I didn't know this either. Somebody explained this to me and I gave my life to the Lord. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want death? I don't. I want, I want Jesus Christ. I want eternal life. I want to spend it with Him in heaven. You can't earn it. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we have to confess our sins. It's there in Romans chapter 10, verses, uh, chapter, 9, uh, chapter 10, verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confesses. His, uh, confession is made unto salvation. So we choose to follow Christ. We, we ask God. And I, I, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And you may be going, you know what, I'm online. I don't even know. Right? But let me tell you something. You have to make that choice. Don't put it off till tomorrow because you may not be here tomorrow. You may not be here tomorrow. Or Jesus may return. And the church will be taken up and the tribulation will happen. And you don't want to be here when that happens. If you want to receive Christ tonight, you just pray this prayer after me. Just repeat what I, what I say. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and be my Lord and Savior. I ask you into my heart to guide my life and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, get with me. I would love to send you a Bible. Um, you know, and, and if you want to know what's next, you can go to the website and go to the About page and look at sun, salt, light, and you'll see what exactly you need to know and grow in Jesus Christ. And you need to be the salt and the light. You need to tell people. Just like Nehemiah was sent, God wants to send you out into your family to share the gospel and ask them, hey, do you know what happens to you when you die? Do you have hope? Do you realize that the church is imperfect people? We're imperfect. There's no perfect church except for Christ and His church. We're imperfect. The moment that we come into <laughs> to the building is not perfect because we're imperfect. But God has forgiven you of your sins, your past, your present, your future sins. You have, if you prayed that prayer, you have, I, I will see you in eternity. I have joy in that. 
I'm rejoicing. I want to see the second coming of Christ. I want to see as many people come with us though. I want to see, you know, right now we need to get people ready, getting their bags packed for eternity, but God wants to use you today just like He did Nehemiah. And look how important what Nehemiah did. You may think it was just building a wall. It was like building a wall, you know, like this. Building a wall. You may think that's meaningless or, or that's, that's time-consuming, but Nehemiah was called to do that, and what did it do? It set the stage for what God was going to do to bring His Son, Jesus Christ. And God wants to use you for the church. That's part of eternity. Eternity starts today. It starts today. Let's pray and then we'll go ahead and close out. I want to thank you all so much. Remember, you can go to calvarydivine.org. Easter service is at 10 a.m. Palm Sunday, this Sunday at 10 a.m. And uh, we, we want to invite you to come out and see us at the Market Media Building. We, we had a great talk with, our, our, with Marcus uh, this evening. And we just, we're, we're really blessed to be here. And uh, I just want to pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much. And we, you know, as we learned with Nehemiah, as we, we had that second prayer, let us apply that in our lives. Even if we have to pray in our hearts and just say, Lord, give me the words so I don't say something that's going to hurt this person or give me the words because I want to show grace or mercy or love to this person. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide me in, that, in my speech, in my deeds, in my words. Lord, allow me to, to, in everything I do, to do in word and deed. It's, it's all unto you, Lord, to give my best, my time, my talent, my treasure. I pray, Father God, I, I thank you so much that we see Nehemiah, a man of prayer, for four months. And we see you move in the heart of somebody who does not believe in you. And he still sets the stage for your son to come because you're God and we're not and that's why we pray and, and I, I pray that uh, Lord if we're not if we're not spending time in prayer I pray that we would uh, we would make that a priority in our lives a really application for us is you know we, we look at send me and and Lord I know that there each of us have a calling on our life each of us have a gift that you've given us and allow us to exercise that gift in the church. I thank you so much for everybody who's watching online and I pray for this building. I pray for this city. And I just ask, Lord, did you just bring those that don't know you into this building? Bring those that don't know you to stumble onto this online. And for those that, that do know you, if they stumble into this building, strengthen them, Lord. If they stumble online and, and, and catch this, strengthen them, Lord. Strengthen their families, their marriages, their, 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 their work and the things that they do for you, Lord. We thank you. And, and I do lift up my mother-in-law to you. I just pray for her as she's recovering from her surgery, Lord. I pray and just ask uh, for all that stuff that's going on. You know, the test and all those things. And I pray for my mom who's, you know, battling her thing. And I won't go into detail, Lord, but I, I, you know exactly what she needs. You know exactly what both their needs are. And just be with them. Bring peace to them tonight. Um, and, and just strengthen them for tomorrow. And I thank you. If there's anybody that's hurting, 
physically, hurting spiritually, hurting emotionally, Lord, strengthen them. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm sorry we were just a little bit late this evening. That's why you're probably going, man, it's 8.05. What's wrong with Mike? Um, we, we had some, some uh, stuff that needed to be talked about and, and just in a good way. Uh, and, and just a kind of a way I know how to pray for the city, which is awesome. And so uh, keep praying for Divine. Keep praying for us. Palm Sunday this week, I hope to see you at 10 a.m. at the Market Media Building, 203 East College Avenue. Uh, look for the Divine Color Wall and, uh, and, and the sign right out front that says Calvary Chapel Divine. Uh, we hope to see you. God bless you. You have a good evening. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.